Sure, geography. <laughs> it's our specialty. <laughs> Podcast open. Oh, we got a whole list. We got a big list today. It's got a lot to do. Hold tight, everyone. It's a two-hour episode. <laughs> Shall we do a little clappy? Yeah. Clappity clap. Well, like, remember at the beginning? Who are we? A one, two, a one, two, three, four. <laughs> do you hear those? No, what's that? Oh, it's not working. I can't hear your pulse anymore. That's good. Keep ch- checking your life, but yeah. Keep the pulse down. Yeah. Good to be back. Yeah. How was your rest of your trip? Oh, good. I just woke up from quite an intense dream <laughs> where I, I woke up with this intense sense of needing to slow down, smell yeah. the roses or whatever that expression is. And I was kind of living in this like university city and every lunchtime I'd take my bike out and just go for a bike ride. And I think I just woke up thinking I need to slow down and take my time a little bit. But then also sort of driving in to work, thinking about how like incredibly privileged that is to think that way. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yes, yeah. I have a stable job and family and blah, blah, blah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It's a challenging thought. I had, but. A, I had a similar, well, I, I don't know. I don't really mind sharing. I, in my, my personal therapy session this week, I mm. was, my therapist was saying basically the same thing to me. You need to slow down. You're doing a lot. You're doing too much. And I'm like, yeah, I know that. But like, how does that solve <laughs> any of the things that I'm trying to like accomplish? And for me, like half the time that relates to like, I feel like I'm, you know, traffic is too slow and I can't get to work fast enough. And like, I can't get products here to make products, fa- you know, fast enough. And I see no resolution in that at this point, even though we've talked about it a couple of times. But it's interesting. I still have the same sense that I need to slow down, but I don't know how that works. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We're so trained in the opposite direction. Like, yeah. Trained to, hu- trained to hustle. Yeah. My thought, I suppose, in response to my dream, I was like, Instead of leaning over my laptop every lunchtime, like hustling to finish the latest email to get yeah. out and sell more product, I should just be going for a walk. Sure. No, I, there's a lot of validity um, so to that. Finding some balance, I suppose. Yeah. It's the, it's the easy answer. I think but, there was on like yeah. our national public radio thing, which kind of broadcasts all over, I, there was a story a while back about how. Like basically, the, the the hook of the story was, it's illegal in France to sit in front of your computer or sit in your office and eat lunch. Like you have to go out mm. and do something. So it's basically Fantastic. that exact story. And so then they went on to interview back and forth, like people in America, people in France, and like how they felt about their coworkers and like yeah. And basically, what it came down to is like all the most of the people in France felt more connected to their coworkers. They figured out how to get along with them better it seemed like because they had these other moments that weren't that were more personal rather than just only work related i mean still work but like you're forced to be not forced you ch- you choose to be more friendly i guess Connect- i don't know connected yeah. yeah oh look i can relate to that here like uh, kind of letting work <clears throat> bleed into breaks like we have quite well, I'd say very structured break times here, and everyone tends to stop at the same time, particularly if work's under control, which it has been for quite a while now. So, but yeah, I I, I let work bleed into. I'll, I'll just finish this quote. Or I just need to, you know, get this out the door, and then lunchtime's half over, and everyone's already sort of had their lunch and disappeared and off doing their own thing. So yeah, I can relate to that. It, my dog my dog used to come to work with me so i want to quit my job in 2013 we got a puppy basically at the same time and basically until the pandemic every day i was the caretaker so you know when yep. i got a shop she came to work with me and while i'd always find it annoying that she like wanted me to it wasn't even about her it's just i'm this this person that like i'm annoyed to have to stop to walk my dog right like <laughs> i just want to keep working like i'm in my, like that was always good for me to like have to stop and go walk the dog because yeah you know I, I got away from the computer so i guess the lesson here is you need to get a dog at your office so you can go take it for walks this it's hunter isn't it yeah yep 
Does you she dog sometimes. Once in a while, my wife demands her presence to be her coworker at mm. home, so I don't get to bring her as much, but she's always a hit here. Yeah, shop dogs are the best. Yeah. I your, a, your your new scene is interesting. I think I maybe prefer maybe your lighting setup isn't done yet, but I the back the last one is pretty good. I know, I know. My lighting's not done. I haven't worked that out yet. Yeah, that's right. And I was you thinking could, like if, <coughs> light out the boxes differently, so each box could be like a different <laughs> light. I was yesterday. I was looking at this because this space is really narrow. Like it's I think nine hundred. It's about three feet wide. Yeah. I mean, I That's think narrow. whoever whoever designed this building intended this to be like a server cabinet, I think. <laughs> and so I've got at this shelf, which is sort of 150, 200 mil deep, which takes up quite a bit of elbow room. And I can't actually spin my desk chair around to get out. So I often like trip over myself trying to get in and out of the room. But I was thinking of replacing this set of shelves with some threadboard. So it's only taking up as much like minimal depth and it uh-huh. only takes up space where I want to store, store stuff so I can put bulkier things up high and then have clear space down low where I'm trying to actually work. Yeah. But I'm happy with the setup. It's It's been fantastic actually, actually over the last week or so since I've reconfigured this and made it a bit more comfortable. Yeah. It's been, it's been so good for my work focus because I'm, it's probably, it's terrible feng, feng shui or whatever that expression is because I'm like <laughs> staring into a corner <laughs> with people behind me. But like uh, it's been fantastic for my focus, just not having any peripheral vision, <laughs> and just like knuckling down and getting whatever I need to do done, it's and not bas- being aware of who's moving around me. Or yeah, it's basically what we what would be sent to if we were bad in like primary school. Like yeah, you're in detention basically. The naughty corner. It's <laughs> <laughs> fantastic, and I've I've put acoustic fells on the walls. Which does this weird thing if I lean too close to it with my noise cancelling headphones that like it freaks out the headphones. Oh wow. It's like, whoa, this surface is too <laughs> too dead. I don't know there's, what to do with this. There's no sine waves here. What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> How's your week? It's been actually mostly good. We've had kind of a mix of both, good and bad, where we've shipped if you can see kind of see the back of it. There's eight dust boots to go out there Ooh, to be picked up. Baby pants. So we've been, we have all the pre-orders are shipped actually, if including that, if you include that pile, which is great. great. It took about a week to catch up. And so now we're, we've gotten, you know, new orders. And we've been able to basically turn them around in a couple days, which is cool. Um, ah, fantastic. That's cool. So that's the, that's the best part of it. And I've spent a lot of time working on designing fixturing for the ATC pedestals and like basically <laughs> making a way that I can actually make long enough parts because they're like the base for the long longish pieces are 17 inches. So it's like most of my table and they're skinny and long. So I had to make a way to hold them basically because there was no other, I don't have another work holding method for that. So I learned a lot yeah. about like that kind of thing, but the bad side of what's happened this week, which isn't drastic, but we had one of our vacuum hold down motors start on fire. I saw that. Yeah. Basically spontaneously, a wire slipped off of one of our hour meters <laughs> that was connected to it and it just fried one of the coils. So Boy. Ricky and I ran to the back room when the fire alarm went off, which is linked right up here, the back room, the center of the shop, and it was just filled with smoke. And I was like, oh no, the dust collectors finally lit up. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it was just that motor, which is pretty crucial for a lot of how we use that machine, the router anyway. We're going to have our electrician come and hopefully rewire some of it because it just doesn't work. Part of the other problem is the switches are always going out on that dang thing. Like we've replaced the power switches four times wow. of the four motors since I've had it since 2017. They're just junk. Mm-hmm. Some changes coming with that. We had an airline blow off our, our Kaiser just yeah. shot off. It's always scary when that happens. Terrifying. Luckily, we're very far away from it, and I'm yeah. probably going to go to some some threaded versions for that little section. But yeah, other than that, it's been good. <laughs> yeah, I think it's maybe on the bomb, actually. Saunders talking about you can get these, I can't remember what they're called, but they're like the valves that you put in your airline near the compressor. The fuse, yeah. Yeah, fuse, air fuse, such a cool idea. So if if your system suddenly dumps a whole lot of air, 
which only really happens if you break a line. Uh-huh. The fuse goes, uh-uh, it's not going to happen. Like, yeah. It's just a mechanical thing that magically shuts down. When we were putting in the Kaiser, I was reevaluating all of the airline stuff, and I luckily realized we didn't have to replace everything. I thought we were going to have to. And so I was like, oh, those air fuses are cool. Maybe we should put one of those in. And what I could find on McMaster, which is like the easiest way to order hardware here, there was no version that worked. It just... Anyway, so yeah, I didn't do it. I had the same thing when I looked into them. I was like, I'm confused. I don't yeah. know which one we need. They were all very large, like huge yeah. versions. And we have like the toy version, basically, even though it's like <laughs> considered industrial. Yeah, I think after learning about air fuses, I kind of went around the workshop and just put some extra hose buckles on things and just like made sure there were no spots where we could get too much whiplash if a hose did go. That's kind of what I was wondering, like, is there like retention, like cable? So like something to hold it to the wall again or wherever it is that's not just the original clamp, like, you know, some. Yeah, kind of... I just use those saddles, like pipe saddles. Oh, yeah, just, sure. I think they're called a half saddle just with a single screw or you could use a double saddle with two screws and just like pin stuff. I'd be very skeptical shit. for the amount of power I saw coming off that thing that one would hold it. <laughs> It was yeah, true. wicked. This is a one-inch line uh, that mm. whipped away. For, it was like the main connection to the Kaiser. I guess I didn't crank it down hard enough. Anyway, dangerous. Yeah. And luckily, we're rarely ever <laughs> in that space, but it is right by the forklift. So, like, if you were <laughs> forklifting, you just got lacerated, you know, by a, a whipping air hose. <sighs> so, yeah, I'm going to... That really is about the only thing I feel like in the shop that's not really well connected. So, hopefully, we'll get that figured out. Cool. Yeah, vac pumps. I'm always expecting our vac pump to die at some inconvenient moment. You, know, you hear stories of bearings just going and they just stop instantly. We've actually got a spare one just parked under the wide belt sander, like ready to plug in. A compressor? At it. Oh, sorry, spare vacuum pump for the CNC. Oh, wow. So if one of the hold, pump, hold down pumps goes, we can just like pit, pit stop. So what's crazy about ours is they have these like very affordable little motors and they're used for like weird things like house vacuum cleaners, like in house. And then Uh, also like car wash, you know, like how they, I don't know if you have these, like you go through the car wash and they spray you off. Those things, I guess, are the same thing. And then also vacuum hold down. And so they only have a certain life and you have to replace the brushes like Mm -hmm. yearly at least. And I don't know why I had thought about like, Every year, every time we touch them, I'm like, I should have an extra one of these motors laying around. Never bought one because I was like, I don't want to just have $200 (laughs) sitting here doing nothing. And then luckily, we can usually do fine with just three motors on and did until we got the new one today. But they're like $150 to $200. So I I don't know. We'll probably hopefully keep one more ready. But the air compressor is a whole nother story anymore like i don't know if you heard grimsmo talk about his <laughs> spring yeah yeah god it's a nightmare <laughs> far out crazy <laughs> your vacuum pumps sound very different to our vacuum pumps my cheapest vacuum pump i can buy here is about five grand so yes the cool thing shop saber kind of found this company or contracted them to make these they call it like an f1 or an f4 it's basically just one or four motors and then yeah. there are these these kind of things that work in series that is Uh, put into a box and so they're very affordable i think when you buy that system it's twenty five hundred dollars maybe and what's cool about them is they all work on single phase which is like all residential service in america is single phase right and so like that's why i bought it because i i put it in my garage first and it serves a four byte machine really well and to this date like yeah it's it's like eight grand or 15 to get like a rotary vein kind of blower pump style which is the mm-hmm. upgrade from what i have and i just never thought that was a good investment at this point so maybe maybe yeah, if we gotcha. upgraded cool. gotcha gotcha okay makes sense we just have stuff cool. start on fire every once in a while instead so baby pants was a hit hitting our floor this week yeah i saw that i appreciate very the video very that fast was great shipping yeah yeah look i got that video out in a in a in a hurry it would have been nice to have tidied up our, our actual ducting connection a little bit so it didn't look quite so so less less gaffer tape and more ducts. <laughs> that's how but, they um, always look, right? Like I know. that's how that know. stuff is always though. <laughs> like, it's impressive when yeah, it's not but, like that. <laughs> but yeah, baby pants 
super exciting. I don't know if you want <clears throat> unboxing impressions on the podcast or not, but uh, yeah, you can say we it can always, cut it. If, if we, can not, always, otherwise. we can always chop it out. The the one criticism I have uh-huh. of pulling out of the box was the the adhesive on the inside, which ah. looks I don't know what sort of glue it is, but it looks like hot melt. Yes, adhesive. I was just like, Justin, what have you done? What's all this glue? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's interesting. It's definitely an intentional choice, and of course, yeah, I'm sure we decided. Yeah, I'm glad kind of came up. We decided that more of keeping the boot together as an assembly was worth some aesthetic, especially on the inside. But we've done tests and other things, and. This certain hot melt glue is made for HDPE. Yeah. And it's not super easy to control. It's like flow. So we have a little gun for it and we decided to put it on the inside rather than the outside where you'd see it all mm. the time. It just is not as aesthetic as you'd want it to be. And yeah, I agree. Abs- yeah, absolutely. No, like, and I knew all of that to some extent pulling it out of the box. I was like, someone asked me about it and I was like, <laughs> Uh, I'm sh- I'm sure that's like very deliberate, and I'm sure it's a great <laughs> bond on both of those plastics. Uh, I totally understand. No, it's I agree. Tricky, isn't it? Like getting that you want it to be strong, and so of course you're going to do everything you can to make it as strong as possible. And keeping it on the inside makes total sense. It was outside, inside, or we try to do a little of both, but it's just yeah, it's hard to control. And so it's like, all right, well at this point, brand new product. I don't want a bunch of people going, oh, this is broke because we only screwed it together. Oh, and so, yeah, we put the glue on the inside and maybe over time we'll be able to like figure out how to minimize that. And I wonder if you can get black hot melt like the same. You can. Thing. And I had somebody recommend that, but the type we're using that's specialty for yeah. HDP does not seem to come in that. But the other idea yeah. we had, which we haven't tried, is just like black silicone. <laughs> which is an interesting thought we don't know if it adheres especially long term to hdp so honestly the screws alone should hold really well we've never like the one we've been using the whole time couple we've been using we didn't glue the top at all but we were just like this hasn't been tested long enough so yeah no i agree yeah that's cool it's like when you pull bits of cars apart and you see like how much adhesive they pile into them behind the scenes. It's like all this black goop everywhere that's yep. then been painted yep. over or whatever. It's like. Yeah. It's kind of almost more acceptable when it's black or like it makes it feel more industrial or something. No, for sure. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, no, in, in summary, baby pants, as you saw in the video, just like ridiculous improvement for us going from <laughs> that t- tiny convoluted piece of crap to huge airflow and like big brushes yeah immediately want to add one to the other machine as well because the other machine is where we do our filthiest work with like machining this acoustic panel Mm. we run this big half inch hogger with like a custom chamfer bit on it and we run it all in one glass and just like there's just stuff goes everywhere how does that one tool change is it the same it's not a different tool changer it's linear yeah so yeah, interesting. Well done. Yeah, no, nice thanks. I'm, I was glad it got there safely. Mm-hmm. I think your example, other than not having dust collection, that machine, what you had before, is about as dramatic as it gets. Like a two-inch <laughs> port. It's just like it's comical. Like that is basically what our shop vacs use here. It's like a uh, hobby machine. Yeah. So it made for a really good comparison video. <laughs> so based on your notes, I'm guessing you're thinking about how you're going to sell more of this. <laughs> what did I what, what did I write down? You're gonna get a booth at a tool show. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It kind of all compiled into one conversation of some friends that went to the woodworking show at Atlanta IWF. I was messaging with them after the fact, and one was like, "Oh, you should think about bringing some of your stuff there next year." You know, like the dust boot, and and I was like. Hmm. Yeah, never really considered like showing at one of those things before. And like our conversations about markets and stuff like that. I'm like, I wonder if this ever pays off because mm-hmm. of this one person's example of the booth that they were associated with was 20 feet by 20 feet. And it cost $16,000 for a week. Yeah. And that one doesn't surprise me all that much. But I was just doing the math of like, how would that pay off? Because it's like, that's just a little part of it. Like you got to bring a booth, you got to pay for everybody Ooh. to go there. All, you know. All this stuff is probably like double that booth cost. And so then I was just thinking, what if instead there are companies like DMG is 
publicly said, like, we're not going to go to these things anymore. Instead, what I heard is we're going to fly out prospective buyers to our facilities on our dime and like show them a good time, basically show them our stuff. And that's a better investment than hoping somebody at a show wants to talk to them and like buy a, a machine. Wow. That that's amazing. Isn't that crazy? How do you apply that mentality to <laughs> digital marketing? Yeah. Yeah. So like like contrast that you know, that's one example, but I was just thinking if I spent twenty thousand dollars on digital marketing, would I get a better ROI than taking mm. myself and employees to a show? Be an interesting comparison yes. study. You would think so. I would say yes. Hundred percent. Unless we were going to like a dust collection conference. <laughs> it's just that yeah yeah that's a bit of a mind-bending example from dmg old school yeah i don't remember where i heard that i feel like it was either on a podcast or i don't know the source but it's just an interesting idea from such a big company i mean can you imagine what it costs to ship some of those like milturn yeah <laughs> like <laughs> and and yeah and rig them in and out of the show and all of that yeah yeah phenomenal amount of money that's interesting yeah it's kind of first take for me that's kind of like the difference between undirected ad spend versus really tightly targeted Mm, digital mm -hmm. marketing yeah yeah Mm, cool a lot to think about there for sure yeah speaking Um, of digital marketing i tried a new email platform this week i got served an ad on instagram for you know one of these email making apps called Flowdesk, and I just, at first glance, I was like, oh, their templates look quite nice and designy and were just appealing to me. So got a free trial and had a crack and just coincided with this week when I needed to get out a, an email for the new Kitta Colin sort of pre-launch campaign. And so I made that in a hurry and Jay was like, what, Jim, what are you doing? Have you verified our DNS servers, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've done it. It hasn't said it's worked, but I've done it. Sent off a few test emails and then Jay again was like, whoa, 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 what's going on with these fonts? Like they're non-standard. They're not going to display properly in other browsers. It's like, well, let's test it. Who's got it? Some, who's got the worst old like email? Like Ben sent me his old Yahoo address and I sent a test to Aaron's Hotmail and we checked that things were displaying okay. And we're like, cool. Yeah, it's not too bad. Send it. Send off our emails. Did it convert? Um, oh, you sent me some stats. I don't remember. The open rates were pretty good, like 50, almost 60%, which I was happy with. That's great. Um, <laughs> click-through rate was decent, and conversions were pretty minimal, but a lot of those leads were pretty old as well. So these were the list of emails we've been collecting on the website for people that were interested in this product, knowing that it was coming, but we've been collecting those emails for months now. I think since, oh, maybe even May. So some of those leads were pretty old. Hmm. So fair enough if they didn't go anywhere. But, but that leads me to think, though, that there's two things maybe to that. The open rate is really good. I think for anything that's like a sign-up based thing where you're like intentionally trying to get information, that those numbers usually are better, right, than just like your random marketing email. But yep. the conversion could be low for a bunch of reasons that they were just curious or they wanted in to yeah. see what the potential was. But there was no price yeah. point on it earlier either. Yeah, so. exactly. That's really good. good. Was it a good click-through? Did they click on the emails, all right? I think it was like 13 14% or something. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty good too. Good. Yeah, I don't have much to compare that to because we've done so little with email. And I've never really looked at the metrics in Shopify because we've sent previous ones direct from Shopify and the metric interface in Flowdesk is way nicer. So it's like right there and you can go, oh, cool. And you can see it changing <laughs> throughout the day. It's- yeah, it definitely interests me. I've been trying to find an alternative to, I think I said this before, to MailChimp that I've used forever for NAC in mm. Portland CNC. Just because when I started the Portland CNC one, it was like, it was just the cream of the crop. And it's still a good service, but I just have an ethical issue with their now parent company and also i'm like i've kept it under (laughs) i'm I'm somewhat proud of this in a weird way i kept the free plan on both of them the entire time maybe i should have had a larger (laughs) audience by now but like but i've kept it under i've kind of like cold the lists down whenever like you know i'm getting close because it's like 
until I go massively over that, I'm just going to be flirting with this line of like, yeah, yeah, that's people cool. that actually are engaging or not. And Jem, Jem never opens my emails. He can get deleted off the list. Yeah. See you, Jem. No, I did see somebody, we were talking about my dust boot semi-info thing, and you had signed up on the show recently, yeah. and then I just saw somebody else from, from like, Butter signed up for that thing again, and I think you're, I was like, they must be trying this out to see if they want to try it, too. <laughs> no doubt. No. Interesting. How much? I'll try it. 30 days. That's a good, that's a good amount of time. It's a good trial. Yeah. And uh, segueing again, I guess, to that thing. Did you watch that reel I sent you of Tyler, the creator, talking no, about promoting, to... promoting your stuff? And you mean to tell me that you're going to be passive with your own <laughs> and just put it on your story once? Are you f***ing crazy, bro? It's just this great little clip that Aaron sent oh. me a little while ago. Struck a chord with me because he talks about it of you know, kids these days, they just throw, you know, one story up on Instagram saying I've got a new track and then but that's it. And he's saying like, I'm out here a year later after my album dropped, still promoting it, like still talking to you, mm. telling you about it. It's just like, I put so much like love and effort into making this. Why would I stop telling people about it? And it just really struck a chord with me because I, I have moments all the time of like, I feel like I'm just pushing stuff down people's throat. Why am I telling them again about yeah. parts or blah yep. it's like actually no i put like years of r&d into this product i'm gonna keep yeah. telling people about it and i yeah i should feel okay about that i'm not a businessman i'm a business man i got it from here yay damn i didn't listen to it i can relate to that i think a lot of my content on social media has been about dust boots <laughs> for mm. months and i'm sure the people that potentially see most of them are like all right something else now let's see something else you know <laughs> but what's crazy about it is especially the way that instagram has gone towards reels it's all discovery based now so like the people yeah. that see your stuff will be some of your existing followers but a lot of it is new people and like the amount even the amount of times i've explained or shown or have faqs we still get the same questions over and over of people that either yep. hadn't seen something or it didn't get translated to them in a certain way that does this work in this way and i'll be like yes of course or you know whatever the answer and it's it's amazing how many times you can post about the same thing and still there's always there's always somebody else that hasn't seen it yeah absolutely and even as someone in your audience who has seen a million dust boot videos <laughs> posts personally it doesn't bother me whatsoever i mean yes i'm part of it you know i'm along with you for the ride in terms of watching you make that and bring it out and being supportive and like buying one and like yeah all of that yeah or maybe it's just because i understand i'm i'm also trying to make content and promote products on instagram yeah. so it's like of course he's gonna keep posting about it so yeah i'm probably not the right person to judge that but I don't yeah. mind, Justin. Keep keep telling me about dust boots. Someday we will all be just creators and we'll all be engaging with each other's content intentionally to help our <laughs> friends. That's right. That's right. Mm. Jeff needs a project. What, pro what do you need? <laughs> What's your project? You don't have anything to do? No, I don't have enough to do. <laughs> I just said... <laughs> You know what I said earlier about slowing down? Well, I need a project <laughs> You should well. add something on um, that. <laughs> I just had a sense this week of like, why, again, why did I fail another week to get up early enough to come in and do R&D playtime in the workshop? And I had a moment on Thursday after Thursday. And towards the end of the week, I walked out onto the workshop floor and I went and stood in front of the pencil sharpener for a while. And I was like, oh, pencil sharpener, I miss you. <laughs> I want to play with you again. Yeah, I need to get back out there. And I've got, you know, a list of ideas that I do want to work on some weird fixturing and like getting some new complex off axis joints happening and stuff. So there's no shortage of things to do, but I do have one particularly silly and potentially meaty project incoming. Nick Atkins, who is a boat builder in Melbourne, that I've probably mentioned before, he's a bit of a like grasshopper guru. I think I got um, shared, maybe I just saw his content recently or something. I don't know why. He was on a, a, a local podcast recently, the Shop Stool podcast, and it was a great interview with him. Anyway, super interesting guy. He messaged me a couple of weeks ago saying, 
hey, there's all these like massive plastic pipes that have come out of the docks that need a home. They're going to get scrapped and recycled. Mm. They're like 700 mil diameter, what it's like three and a half feet diameter pipes by four meters long. They need a home. And Laura and I were just like, right, let's let's get these pipes. We need them because Laura and I have been sort of chatting late at night on the couch about how we're going to build a commercial composting machine that can actually deal with the volumes of sawdust we generate here because we've kind of tested what we can, but we're just, you know, now we're just accumulating sawdust and we don't have enough space to actually process it fast enough. So we need to build a composting machine that can keep up with our sawdust. We saw these pipes and we're like, yes, this is just like the perfect starting point to build this hairbrain scheme machine. Something we don't know what the machine is yet, but we know that these pipes are going to be part of it. So there's a semi trailer coming this morning after we record, like <laughs> with about 64 meters of this pipe. And poor Ben, our production manager, has been like diligently cleaning the workshop lately of like all my junk. Is like, Jem, do you need these things anymore? No. Okay. Get rid of this, sell that, put this in the bin. And then this week, I was like, hey, Ben, there's a semi-trailer of more gem stuff coming. <laughs> oh, wow. Gem It'll cleaned up. Ben cleaned the shop out of gem stuff, and now he's just bought a semi-trailer to, to fill yeah, it up. Uh, that'll be fun. That'll be my project for a while, a composting uh, I, machine. I don't know that it's going to make any sense to explain it. So I also don't know if you know how you're going to do it, but I'm very curious to see how these giant pipes go into a semi-trailer and end up dealing with compost. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't make sense to me right now, but I like it. Oh, no, I like the, the oh, mystery it of it. Oh, it doesn't make sense to, sense to <laughs> us either. <laughs> At least Laura's involved. Yeah. That's great. Mm. Literally yesterday, as we were like rounding out the pre-orders, and I've also, my R&D time is first half of my day. I've just been working on fixturing and thinking about the ATC stuff. And we're packing boxes and working in the shop yesterday and I was staring at the router and I was like, oh, I've got another idea for a new thing. Like, and <laughs> that's usually an exciting, like, it's a good moment. We usually talk about it for a while and we never like say, no, don't do it. But it's also like, that's like just how I'm wired where it's like, all right, I got enough of the old thing figured out. <laughs> Give me Move another on. new thing. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. No, I mean, I'm, I do the same thing. I'm I'm terrible at finishing stuff. <laughs> I guess, thankfully, I have a team now to finish and be diligent and do the jobs well. And I, I scratch around doing a half-assed job, just starting things. And listening back to our discussion about you launching new products and how the list has gotten long, I got defensive mm. for you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, it's almost like the man, but it's your own company. <laughs> Like doesn't make any sense, but like they're trying to hold me back. I just want to make new things, <laughs> but it's not that at all. It's just like just do a good job. In certain ways, does hold back the kind of like raw progress. That's if you stifle that though to a to a certain degree, you turn into a big stodgy company, in my opinion. Like yeah, I, and totally. there's yep. other sides to that. Yeah, no, I agree. There has to be a balance, and yeah, while it's incredibly valuable to be held to account. Yeah, I am aware of that, of not letting systems override the creativity. Yeah, for sure. Too much. <laughs> there yeah. just needs to be like a, I don't know what you call it, an MVP, basically, right? Like a, the bare minimum of where we launch a product. <laughs> and if you get past that, it's it's all gravy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I have incredibly cool tech to share. I don't know if you saw this ahead oh, of time. Oh, please. The Penta web machine link there. Um, no, I didn't see this. Just watch you open this. Ah, uh, so the pocket NC people. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> it's crazy. What the hell? How can that look so good? I don't know. I immediately sent this to the people at Autodesk, and I was like, "Where's our version of this? This is so cool." But for the people that aren't visually seeing this, it's Penta Machining Company or Machining. I don't know what their full name is, but they're the old Pocket NC. They're coming out with this new five-axis machine we've talked about. Um, <gasps> but they have a web simulation of this machine that will be running at IMTS. It's it's designing the everything's turn. parts. But it's a yeah, full no, five-axis simulation of the machine in a web browser, and it's, like, super easy to control. There's a link. 
Oh, I recognize the part. Yeah, it's that carabiner that, that carabiner. Design everything's been making. So this will be carabiner. running supposedly at IMTS. How do you say that? Carabiner. Carabiner? Yeah. Cool. How do you say I just it? I you said some carabiner. I just <laughs> okay. misheard you. I um, thought we had an alum- aluminum situation. <laughs> There's nothing, nothing lighter in there. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, incredibly attractive work holding too with it's that very good, yeah. action. That's cool. Yeah, this machine is just like, I'm similar to our conversations about five axis and like trying to find a reason. Like I'm trying to find a reason to buy one of these things when they come out. Cause they're just, it's basically like a large 3D printer enclosure, but it's a, it's a proper spindle five axis machine with tool changing and. Ooh, it's getting yeah. a bit hot and heavy in here. I'm going to turn pretty... the off. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, I could just watch that for the next half an hour. Cool. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. So we, we have a lot of notes about hiring. We both. Yeah, we do. Does that mean discussing... you're hiring? No, you unfortunately, not at the moment. Hopefully mm. soon, but I have yeah. a friend that was wanting to chat about hiring for the first time, and so I was kind of like reminiscing of my thoughts about hiring for the first time and like how I feel now oh, yeah. versus then and... The difference of the first person you hire versus the third or the second, even the impact that first person makes is so dramatic. Anyway, but I didn't have anything yeah. very specific, but just kind of thinking about it again. Yeah, I was chatting to a client slash fellow maker the other day. He does sort of similar work, but he's still in that phase where he's just a solo operator. And we we're chatting about, you know, how Butter's team has grown and how he's still running solo and, you know, enjoys it. And I was just, yeah, remembering back to those early, early days where there's kind of, there is a sweet spot there where depending on the sort of work you're doing, it can be really effective to be a single operator. You can run quite high yeah. margins. You yeah. probably have to work more than is healthy. Yes. To make it all work. But like there's a kind of a sweet spot where you can work like six days a week and earn really good money and do great work and just make it all hustle and make it all work. But yes, I think. And then there's this kind of, I feel like then there's this very awkward stage beyond that where it's like a small support team, incredibly effective, but like very hard to make the numbers work. Yes. For a while there. And I feel like there's a kind of a, I don't know. I mean, everyone's business model is different, but just speaking from our experience, there was that sort of awkward in between stage between like one and two people and now having a team of, I think, nine, including me. Mm. I feel like we're now getting back to a sweet spot of like, cool, all right, the business model is starting to work again. The margins are getting back to where they should be. Whereas when we were kind of six, seven people, then it was just really wasn't working very well at all. And obviously there's heaps of factors that lead to that, but it's not just about team size. Yeah, I do feel like there's an awkward in-between stage. I have this continual thought and it's never because I've, I've also never made it past. I feel like I said this a, w- a couple of weeks back, but where your company's at, it feels like the point past the awkward stage. I had, we had four people total at one point and it felt great but i always felt so much pressure yeah. we were always flirting with not having enough money and and i think i was just thinking back of like if i had to answer for you it's probably that we've never kept the jobs i haven't done a good enough job of like selling enough jobs that keep things consistent and i do have an interesting perspective now of for the first time having somewhat consistent sales of something like a product versus service that we still had really low job shop work revenue last two months at least it's been frustrating but weirdly enough though like other sales of products have uh, you know grown obviously in a way that weren't there before and that's definitely helped and i can now see this like potential where my dream of always having those two things be Somewhat mm. like a 50-50 is, would be ideal, right? And then they can play off of each other. And I think in my my perspective, I'd always rather have more product sales because it just seems much more controllable. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know how <laughs> now how you get from one or two or four employees to, and team size to that next stage and like 
Especially in that, like, you didn't ever really hire a salesperson, right? Uh, and now current sort of thinking is not to think too much about the team size, but let the work determine what we need. So we're very much at the moment, we're just like trying to really consistently push sales mm-hmm. higher than we ever have before and not not think too much about the effect that that will have on the workshop, but let the workshop feedback when it becomes an issue. Yeah, it's like we 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 have way more capacity in terms of what we can do out there on the floor. So at the moment, the struggle is trying to just like sell enough to keep them busy and yeah. then grow beyond that point and find where the new bottlenecks are. Because at the moment, our bottleneck is very much in sales and quoting. So yeah, I would love to hire someone into that sales position this year, but we'll see how we go. Mm-hmm. I have this problem with recruitment where just like and in life probably where everyone I meet. I'm just like, oh, I like you. I want to give you a job. I'm like, I'm like that dog on up. Is like, my name is Doug. I have just met you, and I love you. Okay. Yeah, I find it really difficult to sort of separate the what we're actually looking for in the job description from mm. like meeting all these new people and like having engaging, interesting conversations with them and learning about their backstories and. Just, yeah, I possibly need to be removed from the recruitment process for that reason so we can make more objective, like, decisions about who we hire. It's funny. I have that Um, same reaction. We'll have deliveries from a company, and mm. sometimes I'm like, oh, you're such a good employee. Like, I... (laughs) What's your name? <laughs> like, yeah. what's your phone number? <laughs> I, I, Not that I don't need a delivery person, but like, would you, you seem like you could be very trainable and you could do something for us, you know? I think that's a really interesting point and some, not something you should suppress. I think you should be taking numbers, basically. Yeah, true. And keeping a register. Like, <laughs> because when it comes to the moment when you do need someone to help you, like you don't want, cold leads you want to be able to go back and go yeah. like oh is that delivery driver was awesome i wonder if wonder if they're looking for work <laughs> i'll just give them a call and suss it out <laughs> do you remember me i've um, had i've had applications from which i don't think they were in any wrong position to apply but it was i've had applications from existing clients repeat clients yeah like yeah, people that too. work an employee of theirs and i'm like i can't even if you're the <laughs> i don't know we'd have to have a weird conversation if you were the best applicant your boss you're the, you're the only assistant for your company right like <laughs> And I remember having the conversation with this person, the owner, about how happy they were to have a new employee. And I was like, I cannot take that person. Like, <laughs> No, I don't think it's ethical to poach people by any means. But I think it's <laughs> yeah. important to, I suppose, be always scouting. Yeah, and sure. And that, that was something I sort of came to in the last week of like, I often hold back from putting recruitment processes in place because i don't like disappointing people so i don't like saying hey there's a job coming up at like butter because then i have to disappoint a whole bunch of people who don't get that job yeah but for sure the distinction i came to was like okay i don't want to be recruiting all the time but i do want to be scouting all the time so i want to be if any little connections come up i want to be having conversations with people of like hey we're not hiring right now but like what do you do what are you interested in this is what we do come and have a coffee and then so when we do need someone in a hurry, it's just a matter of like looking at that list and going, oh, who, who have I spoken to? Let's just see where they're at now. They might not be available, of course, mm-hmm. but they I don't might know if it's, be looking. They might be looking for a change as well. So I don't know if it's ever proved fruitful yet, but I leave an application open all the time on their website, kind of for the same reason, like not to. I don't. Mm. I don't know. Sure, to some degree, it could be wasting people's time. I'm very clear on the website, like we aren't hiring, but if you want to, you know, fill this out, that's on, you know, on you. And we look, I look over all of them. I can't remember that that's ever turned into anything at this point, but. That's hmm. cool. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. If you actually use that as a resource, fantastic. I mean, if it's just going into your inbox and you're never looking at it ever again. It goes like, straight to my spam, actually. No. <laughs> yeah, you're probably wasting your time and their time, but like no, it, it's, it does it's, it's become a, a usable list, then fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's, I've had yeah. one Airtable list since I started trying to hire. So it's every application. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I thought when you were saying scouting 365, you had found some software 
because you know we're mostly a <laughs> podcast about software. Oh <laughs> uh, dear. Yep. <laughs> it's a Microsoft product. Office 365, now for scouting. Mm, Wonder if oh, my pipes I, are here yet. I have a weird yeah. question, but you do a lot of this stuff. Have you figured out any systems for when somebody orders a product? Do you just put like, I guess maybe I'll go back. When you when somebody orders a product and it has an assembly guide to it of some sort, how do you give that to the customer? <laughs> well, we tend to give them the wrong assembly guide. Oh. That's good. Uh, that goes down really well. What do we do? We have when a job gets bundled up and wrapped to go out the door, it gets a sticker put on it with the product name and a QR code. And that QR code links to some sort of asset, whether it be a video on YouTube of how to put it together or a PDF or a web page. We've got a real mixed bag of assets from different eras, but it'll link to something useful. Interesting. And we've got we've got a lot of work to tie those assets together and make new ones which are more relevant and better and blah blah blah. But they scan it with their phone and pull some sort of link up that should help them put it together, basically. Yeah. Or tell hmm. them how to look after it. We've got one that goes on as well, which is like a care and maintenance QR code and it just takes them to a web page where it, they can yeah. click through tabs and see which material they're working with and how to look after it. I was just struck by the idea. So like we just, I just make like a, most of the time I'll make some sheet that gets handed out, you know, put in the yeah. box, got a gnat attacking me. And I realized while packing a dust boot, you probably saw it's like a little sheet that has like some QR codes on it. Cause I, I try to do the same. I like a QR code or a link to a web asset that cannot, it can always be updated. So like if it's in transit or something happens, like they can always get back to the thing that's important like the guide or whatever that mm. is you can always be updated on the other end and i realized that's one right. of them yeah. one of them i hadn't put anything in the box so i just emailed them personally and it was like hey this is what i forgot to put in the box you need this to there's a couple yeah, details if you have a shop saver that are pretty important about the dust boot i don't remember seeing that in the box <laughs> you just dump Maybe it I was out just so excited about the stickers so it's like <laughs> yeah stickers yeah i i tried to put it in a way that you can't miss it but i guess you can miss it i did anyway miss it. yeah i had this thought that i also want to send everybody that orders any product whatever we're putting in the box i also wanted to come digitally to you when we send you the shipping notification and so i was trying to think of like how do you do that if it's not built into like your shipping system or like could it be in shopify if that's what you're shipping with is there a is there an app or a thing that's like for kit parts here's the pdf that gets slipped off with it you know i don't know and it comes in the email so you have it in two places and there's never yeah. like you could forget the one in the box on accident and then i don't know yeah i think jay's built that in airtable and shopify mm. i don't know if it goes it goes to the customer in a paper form but it could easily be an email as well jay's built a product builder in airtable that you we can build out all the components of every product wow. and quantities of each kit and then that's linked to the order printer app in Shopify. So that when an order comes in, it automatically pulls those parts out of Airtable and builds a, a checklist for mm -hmm. shipping. And so that gets ordered. That's what we look at on the workshop floor of like, oh, someone's ordered a kit of parts that should contain these parts. Check, 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 check all the boxes. Initial mm -hmm. packed by Jam, that goes in the box. So we've checked it and then it goes to the customer as well. So they've got like a checklist of what should be in the box. And it, it's quite a convoluted beast that Jay's built. It's quite hard to drive and add new things to it, but it is, it was quite complex to make, but it's the end result is cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's kind of about what I'm doing too. And it's like some things I want to put effort into, like I want that solution, but I also don't want to spend weeks yeah. on figuring that out and then each new product like you're describing a product builder right like that's kind of what you need but it's also very complicated to like set up if it's also complicated to set up and use it's a problem for me like we have a whole knack wall thing yeah. that's made but it's super complicated to continue to use and thus i haven't used it because it's too complicated yeah. so yeah. Anyway. Yeah, look, and that's one of the things that I'm ignoring on the product launch list of like, I don't want to go into Airtable and try and remember how to build out the components of this new product. I just uh -huh. want to sell units and get it out to people. Yeah. So, yeah. 
it's always a balance. And a little follow-up on that same idea, Ricky and I very quickly just adopted the idea that we would just start putting in any concept of a product straight into the same inventory like database of Airtable for a product at the beginning because we yeah. kept having that we talked about that problem where I would just have stuff like where's the uh, yeah, where's yeah. the nuts and bolts for this product oh I don't know it's in Justin's email probably <laughs> or like even honestly it's been really helpful because I'll do like revision detail notes in that now mm-hmm. just in a note in the Airtable product about like oh we changed the spacing of this to this on this version and it's like now i have it somewhere versus that's cool so simple yeah that's cool that reminds me we've got a change log for products somewhere and i'm sure it's an air table but i don't know where so i I don't use it (laughs) yep yep the 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 dangers of building complex systems right oh well let's just go and make some new stuff for sure i need to work on my cabinets this weekend so that'll be that's my Next step, making fronts for the cabinets. Oh. We've got them. Aaron's, oh, Aaron's built them all over our house. The, the boxes, the first floor, we just have like IKEA boxes <laughs> all around now. And so I just have to, and I got the bamboo. So I have to cool. figure out how to make the fronts work for off yep. my machine onto their boxes. <laughs> awesome. Without without making a complicated fusion model. I'm not going to let myself mess around with like making the perfect parametric shit. I'm just going to like probably rhino. Honestly, I might just rhino model each cabinet. So it's done and I don't break anything. Yeah. Sounds fast and efficient. Mm-hmm. Get it done. Get it done. Go cool, in. Oh, we smashed, smashed through quite a bit there. I woke up early today. I'm feeling good. Mm, good. What's early? Six. Not early for you. <laughs> That's good. That's respectable. I watched the sun rise behind you, basically. You did? Yeah, it's gotten brighter hey, the whole no, time. You, you can't say you got up early just because you watched my sunrise. <laughs> that doesn't count you. <laughs> got up early at your time. I think that counts. Cool. I'm hot. I need to turn my air conditioner. Yeah, I'm going to go and see where I'm going to store all these pipes. <laughs> where are you going to put that semi-trailer? Yeah, yeah. Have you told Ben about this yet? Yeah. I don't know if he quite believes me, but yeah. <laughs> no, I really I bought a semi trailer. <laughs> cool man. All right, ciao. Off. See you. Bye. Bye. Good night. <laughs>